You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. He's trusting in God for one thing and one thing only, physical blessings. Physical blessing, what God can give him. He wants the healing of a sick son. And as we said, nothing indicates any type of relationship between him and God. And I see a lot of this happening today, as I said. People who call themselves Christians have no real relationship with the Lord. But when tragedy comes, when illness comes, they want the Lord's help. They're only seeking God for the physical things instead of the spiritual things. Many people turn to God and seek His help when crisis hits in life. It's an act of desperation. Yet, as Pastor Dave teaches, God longs for a deeper relationship with His children. Praise Him and seek Him every day for who He is, not just for what He'll give you. He'll do amazing things in and through you with this. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 14. As he begins his message, God is not mocked. First Kings 14. So Jeroboam was chosen by God to be the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, the kingdom split. The kingdom split. Jeroboam was chosen by God to be king of the northern kingdom, which is named Israel. God had chosen him as a vessel, and he would tear apart the kingdom from then King Solomon because of Solomon's iniquity and because of Solomon's sin. He told him, he wouldn't do it in your lifetime for your sake of your father David, but I will do it in your son's lifetime. Rehoboam became king, and the whole thing happened, where the kingdom was torn in two. Ten tribes went north, and two tribes remained in the south. The one in the north is called Israel. The one in the south is called Judah. All right? Benjamin is right in the center of Judah. In fact, they're basically surrounded by the tribe of Judah. And so sometimes you just say Judah when the tribe of Benjamin is included. So that's what happened. Remember when we first met Jeroboam? He was a doer. He was a doer. Boy, he worked hard. He, he caught the eye of King Solomon. And Solomon appointed him into leadership. Um, he was dependable. He was efficient. He was a busy guy. He was productive. And he was popular among the people. He fought for the people. He championed their causes. He was a very, very popular guy. The people really liked him. But something was missing from all these great qualities that Jeroboam had. Something was indeed missing. He did not seem to have a relationship with the Lord. We read of no relationship. We read of no time where Jeroboam sits before God and speaks to him. No time where he's in the temple. No time where he's worshiping. We read none of that during the time that we have in here in 1 Kings. We read nothing about his personal faith. We do know that he spent time in Egypt, and this could have been his downfall. He spent time in Egypt. We don't know basically how long he was there, 
But it was long enough for him to develop several things. He got a taste and a tolerance for idolatry. Because in Egypt, they worship everything. If it moves, they worshiped it. They made an idol out of it. All kinds of things they worshiped. So he grew a tolerance for idolatry. And one commentator puts it this way. I'll quote this instead of trying to say it. He was there long enough to develop an understanding of how religion can control people. Keep that in your mind. This comes into effect when Jeroboam becomes king. He never trusted in the promises of God that God made to him through the prophet Ahijah. Instead, he was afraid. He was afraid of everything. Fear of everything that moved took the place of his relationship with God. He became extremely fearful. He always thought Judah, which was in the south, would come against him. He feared the people would want to worship in Jerusalem and not around him, and they would ignore him. He feared that the country would once again be reunited, and then they would kill him. So he never trusted God's promises. He never trusted God's promise. He secured his capital city of Shechem, and he made sure that nobody was going to get to him instead of trusting in the Lord to be his defender, instead of trusting in the Lord to be his shield. He substituted Jerusalem with Bethel and Dan as worship places. The temple, remember, was in Jerusalem still. But he substituted Bethel and Dan and had the people worship there. And remember what he did? He made two golden calves. He put one in Bethel and one in Dan. Bethel being closer to Jerusalem, but Dan in the furthest part of the nation. So he had some of these things here, and he was worried that people would go to Jerusalem. So he said, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. Here, I'm going to make these golden calves, and we're going to worship here. These are your God. These are your God. So they started worshiping there, and he started to control the people. What happens here is he fell in apostasy. He fell into apostasy, and he manufactured a religion that led the people into spiritual adultery against the one true living God. They were committing spiritual adultery because they were going after other gods. They were going after other things, other idols, instead of the one true living God. Anytime we, ourselves, go after another God, career, money, relationships, whatever, anything we put before God, we too commit spiritual adultery. When we make something else our goal or our God, instead of the one true living God, we commit spiritual adultery. And this is displeasing to God. But God was still faithful to Jeroboam and sent him warnings, but he didn't heed them. He got a message from the man of God, the young prophet, remember? And when he said to the prophet, he said, no, his hand withered. And then what did he do when his hand withered? Oh, pray to your God that he would heal my hand. The young prophet did what? Prayed, and guess what? His hand was healed. Jeroboam had wonderful warnings from God, but he didn't listen to him. He didn't listen to him. All he wanted to do was kill the messenger. He asked the prophet to pray, and his hand was healed. And then he tried to entice the man to come back and eat with him at the palace. But this was directly against God's command for the young prophet. And finally, the man of God leaves, and an older prophet comes to him. And you know the story. He went against God's command. The older prophet asked him to come and said that he had heard from the Lord when he really lied, that he did not hear from the Lord. 
But while they were eating, he did hear from the Lord that because the young prophet disobeyed God's command, that he too would not be buried with his people. You know the story, a strange story without lions and tigers and bears, oh my. A strange story about lions and donkeys. A strange story, but we studied that last week. But as we come into tonight's chapter, we continue to see Jeroboam going his own way. He's not seeking the counsel of the Lord. He never prays for spiritual discernment. Yes, he had the man of God pray for his withered hand, but there was no ongoing relationship with God. God could have done so many wonderful things through Jeroboam if he would only have followed God, submitted to God, and followed his commandments. Lord wants to do wonderful things through you. The Lord wants to do wonderful and fantastic things through each and every one of you. You're his workmanship. You're his poema, created for good works in Christ Jesus. That's what it says in Ephesians, right? You're, you're this beautiful canvas that he has painted on, this glorious thing, that you have to discover these good works that he's ordained for you. But you have to seek him with your whole heart. You have to follow hard after him. God wants to do this work. Why won't we allow him to do the work? Why won't we let him do the work that he wants to do in our hearts? Some of us only come to God when there's a need. Well, we say we're Christians, but we don't have any time for God. Then all of a sudden there's a sickness in the family. We need to pray. And we come running to God. A lot of your friends are like that who don't know Christ. This is, the, this is the, what happens in the world. I remember working in Wildwood High School. Everybody knew I was a Christian, and they didn't want any part of it. You start talking about Jesus, and they put their hand up, and they walk away. That's fine. But as soon as there was a crisis, you think we could pray? Well, absolutely we could pray, sure. They, knew, they would come. So they're no different than Jeroboam. Jeroboam was doing the same thing. His hand withered. We need to pray. So... We need to be on an ongoing relationship with God. It shouldn't be something that we do on the spur of the moment. We shouldn't expect God just in the time of need. We should see, be with him all the time. It's an ongoing relationship. And in chapter 14, we see Jeroboam doing this again. He goes to God and he's trusting in God for one thing and one thing only. Physical blessings. Physical blessing. What God can give him. He wants the healing of a sick son. And as we said, nothing indicates any type of relationship between him and God. And I see a lot of this happening today, as I said. People who call themselves Christians have no real relationship with the Lord. But when tragedy comes, when illness comes, they want the Lord's help. They're only seeking God for the physical things instead of the spiritual things. If you are truly a spiritual person, you're not an occasional hearer of the word. And you guys aren't because you're here. That says something about you. It says something about your want to know God on a better plane and want to know him on a better level. It says something about your faith. A truly spiritual person continues to seek the Lord always, not just in tough times, but in good times. I got news for you. If you continue to seek the Lord in the good times, praise him in the good times, praise him in the, in the times that you're going through, in the in-between times, when the bad times come, it's going to be easy to praise to God. Because you're going to be doing it all along. It's, it's, it's part of who you are. You're supposed to be a Christian, which means little Christ, which means anointed by God, one of God's children. So we, if we do this on a continual basis, God will hear this, not just when things go wrong. So that's where we are. So let's look at verses 1 to 3 as we can go start chapter 14. 
At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Please arise and disguise yourself, that they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam, and go to Shiloh. Indeed, Ahijah, the prophet, is there, who told me that I would be king over this people. Also, take with you some ten loaves and some cakes and a jar of honey, and go to him, and he will tell you what will become of the child. He will tell you what will become of the child. So Jeroboam knows that this prophet is true. He knows he's a real prophet. He wants to know, but he's not using him for counsel. He's not using him for intercession. He's not using him to get close to God. He's using him as a fortune teller. Tell me what's going to happen to the boy. He's not seeking counsel of God for anything. I don't see that here. He's not even seeking repentance most of all. It's interesting, though. Why didn't Jeroboam go to his idols? Why didn't Jeroboam go up to the golden calves that he had made? Why didn't Jeroboam practice his own religion that he made up? I'll tell you why. He knew they couldn't help him. He knew that they couldn't help him. This is how stubborn this guy is. He knew that these idols were fake and false gods, and he knew that they could not help him in his time of need. So he says to his wife, wear a disguise and go to the prophet. So his wife goes. She just dresses herself up and she goes. Let's read four through six. And Jeroboam's wife did so. She arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of his age. Now the Lord said to Ahijah, Here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus you shall say to her, for it will be when she comes in that she will pretend to be another woman. And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news. I love how the Lord works. <laughs> not the bad news. I'm not celebrating that. What I'm celebrating is... is they go through this great scheme to disguise herself so that Ahijah wouldn't recognize her. <laughs> the poor guy's blind. He didn't even recognize her anyhow. So she goes to all this great big scam to fool this guy. And the Lord tells him, hey, somebody's coming to see you. And it's Jeroboam's wife. She wants to know about the kid. And he, the Lord tells Ahijah what's going to happen to the kid. He tells him that. And all of a sudden, here she comes in. He comes in and she goes, oh, I know who you are. The prophet tells Jeroboam's wife two things. First, he tells her that the news is bad. The news is bad. And although she thought she was sent by Ahijah, her husband, in truth, Ahijah was sent by God as a messenger to her and Jeroboam. So these two things she found out. Number one, it's bad news. What I'm going to tell you is bad news. And you weren't sent to me. God sent me to you. I think that's pretty cool. Why? Would you tell me why? And I'm guilty as the next person, please. Why do we always try to outsmart God? Why do we always try to circumvent him? We, we always try to find a way around. Our flesh is always looking for that, that, that angle, that, that, that way we can kind of scoot around him or, or, or circumvent him. We always do that. As if we're trying to fool God. <laughs> I love that. As if we're trying to get around him without him knowing it. 
I'm going to disguise myself, and I'm going to go to this guy, and I'm going to ask him some questions. And I get there, the guy's blind. And I made myself up just for this day. You can't, you can't circumvent God. You, you can't go around without him knowing these things, because God knows everything. I love it. So let's read what Ahijah says, his first words. Let's read 7 through 10. Ahijah says to her, go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now, remember, he had told her that it was bad news. So he says, go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel. If someone came to me and said, Dave, I got bad news for you. Go tell somebody this. I'd start to quake. Like, wait a minute, the Lord says what? You want to do what? He said, because I exalted you from among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel. I love that. God called them his people. And I love that. I've told you before, you guys don't belong to me. You guys may call Calvary Chapel your home, and I'm thrilled that you called Calvary Chapel your home, but you're God's sheep. You belong to God. You're God's children. I just happen to be the crazy one who has got some authority here for some odd reason. God has a great sense of humor. I don't know. What are you laughing at? He says, because I exalted you among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me in all his heart. There you go. There's the key there. Followed me in all his heart to do only what was right in my eyes, but you have done more evil than all. All who were before you, for you have gone and made for yourself other gods and molded images to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuge until it's all gone. Whoa, there's some powerful words. There's some powerful words that he's telling this, this Jeroboam's wife that she has to carry back. It's interesting, though, his first words to her were reminding her of his act of graciousness towards her husband. He's reminding her of the act of graciousness towards her husband. He's reminding her, hey, I called him. I made sure that he was going to be king of Israel. I was the one that put him there. It was me who did that, but he hasn't followed me. He hasn't kept my commandments. He hasn't done the things that were right according to David. And David did all that was right in his heart, and that's the key. We know that David sinned greatly and paid dearly for it, but it was his heart that God looks about. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks upon the heart. So God was looking at this guy's heart and saying, hey, something's wrong with your heart, pal. There's something wrong in there. It was God who called them. And I love this. I really love this because when Paul is speaking to the churches, every time Paul writes to the churches, and you can read most of his letters to all the churches, he talks about being made an apostle by the will of God, not by man. He was an apostle by the will of Jesus Christ. But he, he wasn't given the apostleship by man's thing. And I love what he says to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. I love when he says this, and it just really, it's pretty, pretty neat when he says this. He says, I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. He's writing to young Timothy. He says, and I thank, Jesus, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, 
who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So Paul is not even taking credit for the ministry he has. God called him and thought he faithful and put it in there. And it's not talking about Paul's faithfulness. It was talking about God's faithfulness. God placed me here. I know he placed me here. I I can tell you the stories. I know he placed me here for a specific reason. It was God who placed me here. I didn't come here myself. I didn't force my way in. I didn't come here and take over. God put me here. It was God who did it. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't come any other way. And when time comes the time for me to leave, God will take me away. He will move me out. And that's his choice. Because as I said, this is his church. His church belongs to him. Any ministry I might do is his ministry. He's just allowing me to partake in it. Just like with you, he's allowing you, he wants to use you, he's allowing you to partake in it. But he counts you faithful and he puts you places and puts you in ministry. Not that you're this great faithful saint, but he sees something that he can use. He sees something within you that is usable and workable. So he works in you and God does it. And then what, we, what do we do? What do I do? Look what I did. No, I don't do that. If I'm smart, I don't do that. I say, look what God did. Look what God did. I have a hard time with people. And I I know a lot of pastors. And and we get together. And and I have a hard time with this. I don't say I have a hard, I don't tell them this. But in my heart, I have a hard time for it. Now, I have said it. But I try not to say it. They go, well, at my church, we do this. And at my church, we do that. I have a hard time with that. And I have said that. Don't get me wrong. Every now and then I'll say, Mike, but I say, in the church that I pastor. Because this is my church. This doesn't belong to me. It's God's. He's in charge. He's the head. He's the boss. I'm just the under rower. I'm just the guy down in the bottom of the boat going, come on, let's get this thing going. It's God's church. And Paul knows that. God wanted Jeroboam's wife to know that. He wanted Jeroboam's wife to realize that, hey, I put him where he is. I did that. He didn't rise up himself. I did that. But he didn't follow me. I did my part. He never did his. He never did his part. He never did that. What do we gain from this? God doesn't use the most talented individuals all the time. You're looking at one. He doesn't use the most talented speakers. He doesn't use the ones who are, who are linguistically perfect. God doesn't use looks. Except in my case. No. He doesn't use any looks. He doesn't go by looks. He doesn't go by what's going on. He goes by him and him alone. It's him. And sometimes his choices for ministry are quite shocking. It's interesting, though, but God counts... Paul faithful. He counts us faithful and puts us there, and he asks us to be good stewards. He put Jeroboam where he would do the most good. Oh, what he could have done through Jeroboam if Jeroboam would just had to submit it to God's rule and submit it and done it God's way. You are a sure.
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of 1 Kings. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for times and directions. And if you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 Kings. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from 1 Kings. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and tune in next time on A Sure Hope.